were probably most of us were wearing some sort of khakis or pleated pants. I don't know what people wear or dockers or whatever, but <laughs> I don't know much about fashion, but I'm pretty sure pleated pants are going the way the dinosaur there, buddy. Welcome everybody to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State Athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Cats pound the ground to a victory in Greeley and now look to punch their playoff ticket against Cal Davis. Thorny, how are you doing? You're getting so good at your intros. I love it. I know, man. This is a one-take wonder lately. It's been great. Hey, before we start, I just want to say, like, we're recording this on Veterans Day, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to all the veterans out there. We appreciate it. Thanks for all your hard work and service. We appreciate it. All right, Thorny. On this episode tonight, we are going to lead in with our beer. We're going to talk some news. We're going to look at uh, where the Cats went into the polls. And we're going to talk about the UNC game and preview uh, the big matchup coming up this weekend against Cal Davis. We'll pepper in some golden koozie questions and we'll end with some buy or sell. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, man. What's on tap tonight? Well, same thing as last week. No lie. Wrecking ball. Imperial Imperial Stout from Spokane, Washington. Big man. If you didn't listen last week. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's an Imperial Stout. 9.5% alcohol. 100 IBUs. Dang. There's your recap of the beer I'm drinking. It's the very last beer I have in my entire house. I almost had to switch to whiskey. I wonder how many of our listeners would be in favor of that. I don't know. Like, there's no real rule that we have to drink beer. It's just kind of what we do. But I've had a few things on and off, I think. Have you ever had anything besides beer and that one time you drank tea? <laughs> <laughs> I had a LaCroix one time that that was pretty LaCroix and some tea. Yeah. Um, no, man, I, I'm not a liquor drinker, so I, I enjoy the beer, but I don't really like liquor all that much. So, but you know, that could be a, a poll question we could put on the Twitter account. Should we veer from the beer? Uh, we'll put that out there after this episode. Maybe next week we'll be drinking something else. All right, Thorny, tonight I'm drinking what's called the Inner Urban India Pale Ale from Fremont Brewing over in uh, Seattle there. It came over to my house via some friends. We had a soup cook-off on Saturday night for the coup game and it was left over in my fridge. And so I brought it down and it's, uh, it's pretty good. You know, I, I really like Fremont beers and it doesn't disappoint. I've had this inner urban IPA, but it's been a couple years. So it's a, it's a new taste for me again. I really like it. Well, hold on now. A soup cook-off indicates there's a competition for soup. Is that true? Well, I, I might've been embellishing a little bit. There's two soups, both by my wife. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, which one was the better one? Uh, I was going to say her, uh, chili based one. That was pretty good. She also had like a chicken and rice that was tasty, but, um, yeah, the chili based one was a little bit better. I love soup season sidebar. We won't go too far off the rails here, but I love soup season. What what what's your go to? Are you the are you the soup maker? Your wife or what, what's your story on that? Real quick. First of all, I cook everything, and second of all, chili. Not really a soup, but you know, chili, baked potato, cheesy broccoli soup. Oh man, I just love potato soup, corn chowder. I love it. 
Yeah, I, I told Liv that she should make me uh, some cheese and broccoli soup here soon. That's one of my favorites. Are you an Instapotter kind of guy, or are you like a more old time? Nope, I use the Instapot. Yeah, I figure you would be. Well, I'll send her a good recipe for cheddar broccoli soup. Okay. <laughs> this is exciting football talk. Is anyone <laughs> still listening? Sorry about that. We'll get into some stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three, let's talk about where the cats went in the FCS stats top 25 to, uh, this week. We're up to number 10 from number 12 back in the top 10. Not sure. I feel that we're a top 10 team just yet, but you know, it's good to be back in the top 10. It feels like we have the same conversation every single week about, Hey, are the cats a top 10 team? I'm tired of it. They're a top 10 team. End of story. Well, it's technically true, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I would actually tend to agree with that. I'm, I'm leaning more and more that way just the last few weeks. A couple of people have been saying, we don't really know who the cats are and it's going to take up until this weekend in order to us to really find out. There might be a little bit of truth in that, but we've been in this top 10, 15, uh, spot on the, on the stats. You know what? I'm just going to call it as it is. Montana state's a top 10 team. That I feel good with that, especially during Big Man Month. Big Man Month, <laughs> nice. All right. Well, before we get into recapping the UC Davis game, uh, we should probably mention what the basketball teams are up to. This is the very few times during the recording of this podcast where basketball overlaps football, so there's no press conference from Jeff Choate today. So we might as well recap a little bit of basketball action. The Bobcats lost to Utah State. Did you get a chance to watch that game? Uh, the number 17 ranked Utah State, somewhere in that range? I did not get to watch it because I was doing the Tubbs and Club podcast at the moment. And so I was sitting here watching the box score on ESPN while trying to pay attention to those guys talking as, at the same time. <laughs> they did not know. But yeah, I was, only, I was only able to keep up with it via ESPN. I finally found a stream like partway through the second half i was trying to find one earlier i was like oh there must not be one but it was just right there on the the mountain west conferences website but yeah the cast looks pretty good man harold Frey, i'm so excited to see what he can do for a senior season with a pretty like athletic group around him and danny sprinkle leading the way I'm, I'm just stoked that was a really good start to the year and they followed up with a nice win at home against oh was it rocky i'm not whatever an aia team they played but I'm pretty excited for the the team. That's a good start for the year. You did send me the link, so I was able to catch up a little bit on the game. It looks like the Cats are playing some defense this year. Yep, they got some definitely some good defenders. I don't even know everyone's name yet, so this, this is really, you know, we're not a football or basketball podcast, but uh, they're definitely some upgrade in defensive hustle and play and just uh, focus on that side of the ball, it looks like to me. Yeah, they were hustling. And on the women's side, they had a good opening win at home against UC Davis. Let's hope that trend continues. Uh, <laughs> I think UC Davis was the reigning Big West champion, so that was a pretty good victory at home, 77-65. And they just walloped Carroll today in front of, like, uh, student day or something like that. There was, like, 6,000, like, kids <laughs> in attendance. And I watched a video. They're all doing Baby Shark. Pretty, pretty comical. So Eastern has that same kind of uh, day and our school gets to go to it. And it is, it's fun. It's fun. It's mostly fun. 
But then when they do the floss cam, it's like a living hell. <laughs> Why? You have like 8,000 kids flossing and some adults as well. And you're just like, <laughs> make it stop. It's just bad. <laughs> as I, I just remember it from last year, just feeling like really like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I just got to get out of here. But you can't, you know, you're you're in charge of the kids there. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of the clip I saw from Montana State was the floss cam. And I was just like, it just brought back these bad memories. That's only because you can't floss. <laughs> well, that's that might be true. <laughs> Might be true. You've never even attempted, have you? <laughs> oh, no, I've tried, but I'm just really not that good at it. So, and my wife just laughs at me and I'm just like, what am I doing? It just feels stupid anyway. So, I don't really, whatever. Everything about this feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, Thorny, let's get into the UNC game. Give us some stats. All right. Well, the stats were pretty lopsided at every single phase of the game. Bobcats had 26 first downs. The Bears only mustered 12. Surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, well, surprisingly given the score, the Bobcats are only one of nine on third down. That just trend continues of terrible third down play by the Bobcats, but we're still holding the teams doing pretty well against third downs. Bears were only five of 16. The Bobcats had 564 yards of total offense, including 451 on the ground, which is the third most in school history while allowing the Bears just 44 yards on 21 attempts and allowing just 245 passing yards for Jacob Nip and company. I think a lot of that kind of came there, kind of a garbage time. Each team had a turnover. Tukarovic had the pick six that was batted. And I think it was uh, Jojo Henderson came up with a tipped interception himself. And the Bobcats dominated the time of possession, 33 minutes and 16 seconds to 26 minutes. I mean, really... There's not a whole lot to say about the statistics in this game. The Bobcats just dominated from start to finish. I guess that's the one statistic that I do want to talk about. Was this a complete game for the Bobcats? We scored in every single quarter. We didn't let up. We kept it going in the second half, and we just kept building the lead. That's what you want to see. Yeah, it felt like the most complete game we've had in a while. So, yeah, in the short answer, I would say, yes, that is the most complete game we've had. I agree with that, too. Like, it was... Oh, what was the score at halftime? I had it right up and I went off of it. It was 24-7. So, you know, the game kind of wasn't really in question at any point. But with the troubles we've had every now and again, the second half, not putting a full game together, you know, there was always the chance that Northern Colorado could make a comeback. A couple bounces go their way. But we really came out and just poured it on and never left any doubt. Yeah, the only time that was really in question was when we had that series of plays where. Tukarovic um, punts a two-yard punt. <laughs> what was that? And then ends up throwing a pick six all within, you know, a couple plays of each other. And so, but you know what? We just came back. We weren't, we didn't flinch and we just, you know, dominated that game. And it was really cool to see us take the energy and just roll with it in Greeley because that was one of my biggest questions is how are we going to respond to this seemingly high school-esque uh, stadium atmosphere? And I was pretty pleased to see the catch this and just keep it rolling in. And it feels like, as like I said last week, we have some positive momentum. Yep, that's the first time I've really felt we played a good four quarters of football and pretty solid in all phases. We still have, like you said, like one series of game. And I don't mean like one like offensive series. I mean, just one ridiculous 
chain of a goofy events that just backfires in our face. Like <laughs> you were just talking about the, the two yard punt that we hold them with three and out. And then we throw a pick six, like on the very next one. I think there was even a hold on the return by the Bobcats and, and Coy Steele muffed the kick return, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it it's, just, it's just weird. It was just a, just like that shit happens to us for some reason. Like just one snowball, mini snowball, but we're able to isolate it, move on from it at least. But it, it's just one frustrating thing I've noticed this season. It just seems to be something that happens every game. I think that has to be a mentality thing. Uh, you know, it's something that it's it's been, like you said, maybe a pattern or something that happens more often than not. And so if that's true, it just doesn't seem like it's like a bad luck kind of thing. It's something that's more more mental. Well, like Joe says, you are who you are at this point in the season. <laughs> if that's who we are, that's who we are. Just got to deal with it and move on, overcome it. Yeah. Well, I don't really agree with Choate when he says that, but, you know, it is something we have to overcome, and the Cats did, so kudos to them. Speaking of one thing that's different, Tyrone Marshall, where did he come from? Yeah, he's quietly becoming, like, my favorite new Bobcat, and he just seems like every time he touches a ball, he's bringing for a good play, and just the energy he's bringing is just welcome. Yeah, I haven't really heard anything about him very much in fall camp. Uh, Certainly nothing during the season. I don't know if he's been nursing an injury or something, but he just came out Northern Colorado or I'm sorry, the Southern Utah game. Kind of the first time we ever saw him on that end around the diving flip extended over the pylon touchdown and yet another good game against Northern Colorado slowly emerging as a guy who can make some plays for us. So it's good to have guys stepping up, especially in November. So what do you think about all these new guys playing right now? Like more specifically, do you think we should be just going with, our starters at this point, or it seems to me that uh, Chilton company have really put in some new guys like, you know, like in the, we've been doing this, like, like running back by committee, you know, Fonse's injury has really played into this, but we've seen, you know, exactly like Tyrone Marshall. And then a couple weeks or like two weeks ago, we had Jaden Smith catch his first touchdown pass and all of a sudden Lance McCutcheon's back in the fold. And so it seems like we're just like new guys are stepping up late in the season and we're not seeing, uh, just like these ingrained starters, you know, take over games. It's like these new guys. What do you think about that? Well, none of the guys you're talking about are really taking away position from a guy who is really lighting the world on fire. Running back position is kind of odd because Ifonze is hurt. Jones is like just a rep thing. We can only go so much a game. So, I mean, of course, you're going to have to play, you know, Lane Sumner and anyone else doing anyone else in that room at this point, basically. So we're going to have to be able to play those guys. I think a lot of it's just getting guys, making sure guys stay healthy for the stretch and hopefully in the playoffs. And it would be nice to actually get some rhythm on the team for once and keep rotating guys in all over the place. Just doesn't ever accomplish that. So you're really not a big fan of this. I would, I don't really know where I land on it. I'm not a big fan. I'm not opposed to it. Kind of wait and see how it plays out. It's not something you see a lot of other teams do. <laughs> it's a good point. It feels disjointed on offense. It still does. You know, defense feels a little bit different where we've been just dominating and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but our offensive play just hasn't felt rhythmic. It felt very predictable um, prior to the, or even until the UND game. And then uh, the last two games, we've gone just the opposite of that. Uh, some might call it gimmicky. I don't know. It's only two games, but 
I just don't feel like we have an identity as far as our offense goes. And so we're using all these guys in different positions in different formations. Eh, it, like you said, it just doesn't feel like it has a rhythm. Nope. That just might be what we have to do. You have to just get creative sometimes to move the ball, to spark the team. How'd you feel Matt Miller's play calling was on this game? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I, I like the game plan, attack the edges, give Rovick some plays he could work with. We didn't need to use him a whole lot, though, because the running game was being so successful. So, you know, I was satisfied enough with it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought he did a nice job. Just keep mixing it up. It was a continuation over from the Southern Utah game. I just keep wondering what we're going to do when we play this week. You know, this is a big game coming up this week. And if he's going to get tight, if Choate's going to hold up hold the reins in a little bit more, like I talked about last week. I'm I'm not sure. Still big question mark to me. So Thorny, is there anything you, you want to talk about more on the UNC game? The other thing we want to talk about, and this is a golden koozie question from Cowgirl Cat, and I had the exact same question. So kudos, Cowgirl Cat. What did you think of the fake punt by Callahan O'Reilly? She is wondering, and I assume it's a she from her username, should they have done it or saved it for a time that they really needed it? Or is it just to get the play out there and it has a different look next time? What are your thoughts on that? What do you think about putting that out on film? I don't have any problems putting it on film. Do you remember what when it happened? I texted you. It's like, why did we why did we do that there? And your response was to step on their throats. And I like that response. It seemed like the game was in hand. It was, it was going to be a three and out if we hadn't converted that. I mean, Callahan O'Reilly just, you know, blazed down the field. He's faster than I thought he would be. So kudos to him. I thought it was Troy Anderson just from like when I wasn't really paying attention, like just a big bodied guy chugging down the field. I was like, is that Troy Anderson on the fake punt? Like, nope. <laughs> you know, we're like two games away from, we have two more games guaranteed essentially. So if we're not pulling it out now, then, then win. I mean, if we're going to save all the trick plays for the Cagres game, then then we really don't have any confidence in who we are as an offensive unit. So I'm not too disappointed we put that out there. But it was a little bit like when I when I saw it, the only pause that gave to me was like, hey, we were up pretty big on UNC. Why did we do it? Like it just felt like, I don't know. Like you said, you know, step on their throat. I said, yeah, okay, I can get that. But it just felt a little weird to me. Yeah, I mean, the timing, you could argue one way or the other that, but I have no problem uh, putting it out there just so teams have to worry one more thing about the punt game. They've seen it on film, and I'm sure that Jeff Choate has other fake punts up his sleeve. So, segment for another time, you really need it. You know, I'm not, I think he's got something else he can say for another time, or maybe this is going to open up. It's kind of a chain of something else he's got building upon this and how defenses react to knowing that this is on film. So, I'm okay with it. I think it's, I think it's fine. And, I'm excited to kind of see what else he's got up his sleeve. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's a that's a, like the precursor to maybe some other stuff. That's that's next level. Sometimes Jeff Choate is playing chess. <laughs> that's a good point. All right, man. Anything else on UNC? Um, no. I mean, there's just not a lot to talk about. Just they were outmatched, and we just smashed them in the face. I just liked coming out aggressive and punching them right in the face. We, we talked about few episodes ago needed to be the ones doing the punching and we have been the last two games yep and now we're on to uc davis uc davis the aggies did you have a chance to listen to head coach dan hawkins press conference today <laughs> no i didn't 
Oh man, it was pretty funny the way he phrased, uh, he talked about the Bobcats and we have a three-headed monster at quarterback. He said one of the quarterbacks is their wide receiver. Another one is their linebacker. And then they bring in the tall guy to throw darts. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a funny way of just describing our offense. He's not wrong. It's not wrong. We certainly have an interesting offense. (laughs) We do. It's extremely difficult to prepare for. Like, yeah, it takes a lot more time to prepare for anyway. Who was it? I think it was, uh, I don't remember the head coach I listened to. I, I try to listen to other press conferences that when I can and talking about, oh, maybe it was the uh, Brandon Fisher, Southern Utah's defensive coordinator, how he's just saying like, you got to prepare for like two offenses. No, oh, yeah, for it's a, sure. It's a lot of prep work on the defensive side. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in this offense that we've been going with this last couple of weeks too, it's just been piling up the yards. We haven't seen Travis Johnson. I mean, he's just been, I mean, he was a catalyst for our offense early on this season and he has not been, he's not been a factor. And I think we're just resting him. I think his foot's been giving him problems and, uh, you know, it's been leading to some other guys getting some touches. No, it's an encouraging sign that we're still doing all this without some of our playmakers and, it looks like Troy is finally starting to get healthy. And can we take a minute to talk about how good Troy's looking on defense too? Holy cow. No, absolutely. You're right. He's he, finally coming along. He is looking more healthy. And it's just, it's like some of the guys is just gelling right now in the late, in the latter parts of November. That's a good sign. No. And I know that we started talking about UC Davis, but it's still worth talking about our defense. Like, I want to talk about our defense real quick. How dominant they've been. What are they allowed? Only a handful of, Offensive touchdowns, like the starters, last three games? Oh, yeah, like one or two touchdowns. It's been just absolutely, like, mind-blowing. Like, how just how well shut they're down. Playing. Yeah. I mean, Southern Utah and Northern Colorado, there is a little bit of caveat right there. But, holy cow, they're, they're just they're playing aggressive. And that's the thing I really want them to go into this UC Davis game. Like, we really need to disrupt Meyer. I mean, they need to play to win the game and not be conservative. I think Jeff Cho talked about that two weeks ago where he's like, you know, uh, when we got into the UND game, we played a little bit of, you know, maybe Max Strop. He's like, no, let's just get after this guy. Let's, let's go after Ketteringham. We need to go after Meyer just the, that same way and keep playing with that intensity. Agreed. And speaking of intensity, you know, I think UC Davis is going to have plenty to play for in this game. They're just five and five on the season, three and three in conference. Pretty disappointing season for them coming off the heels of their, what, their quarterfinal push last year. I remember they made it. They had a really solid year last year, but their playoff hopes are technically alive because they have us who currently rank number 10 and they play Sac State to close out the season. So they could likely finish in the top 20 and be a bubble team. So they're going to have a lot to play for. It's going to be a tough game on their turf. You know, man, I just, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I, even with seven wins, I, do, I just don't think they make the playoffs. So I think they're playing spoiler this weekend. And if that's motivation for them, that's motivation enough. Well, I don't think that they think they're out of the playoffs. So either way, I think they're going to be playing, playing hard, playing at home. The last home game of the season, senior day, all that stuff. It's going to be a tough game. Yeah, their losses are from Cal, which has has one of the best defenses, if not in the Pac-12. Uh, they played North Dakota State to the closest game North Dakota State has had, 11-point loss there, 27-16. They lost to UM. Uh, the following week, uh, UM really took them to the woodshed, a 45-20 to 20 loss. North Dakota, three weeks in a row, another loss, 38-36. I remember watching the tail end of that game. North Dakota hit a field goal 
at the very end. And uh, they had Jake Meyer had like about a minute 45, but couldn't do much with it. And then uh, they just lost to Weaver recently with a 36 to 20 loss. I mean, so all their losses come to like these legit ranked schools, you know? So they've been playing a tough schedule and have had some tough losses. When you look at their stats in the, and for like for team stats in the big sky, they're, you know, a lot of their stats is right around the middle. So six to seven to five, depending on what category you're looking at. So they're hanging in there. They're not like they were last year, but uh, they've kind of had some close games and, you know, some tough losses. In a lot of ways, I think they're a good parallel to kind of Northern Arizona. I mean, they're different in some way, in a lot of different ways, but, you know, NAU has the number one passing offense in the country. You know, UC Davis is the sixth NAU likely or subsequently suffers at the run and just 104th rushing offense. And UC Davis is 91st, you know, NAU's total defense is atrocious at 122nd, but you know, UC Davis is not too far off at 97th. And of course the time of possession for both teams, NAU is 121st. UC Davis is 120th. So there's a lot of parallels between two teams that throw the ball a lot, throw the ball. Well, don't run the ball well and don't have good defense. Just kind of goes to show you, with all the struggles we have at quarterback, we got two of the best passing quarterbacks in the entire country who aren't going to the playoffs in our conference. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, you talked about their defense, how they, they don't have maybe a stellar defense. Well, Nick Eaton, number 53, freshman's uh, linebacker, just got player of the week, defensive player of the week in the big sky. Oh, he's a stud. I had him down to, as a player to talk about, too. Yeah, he's fourth on the team with 54 tackles, and he's leading Davis with 11.5 tackles for loss and 6.5 sacks. So he is a guy who's going to be all over the field for them. How do you think our run game is going to play against UC Davis? You know, I don't know. I think that Matt Miller has shown that he is smart enough to game plan to know how well a team defends the run, but how they defend the run. Like, yeah. Like we knew that Northern Colorado, the coaches knew that Northern Colorado had a de- decent run stop up the middle. That's we start attacking the edges. So I think he's got, he's going to find wherever their weak spot is defending the run and he's going to attack it. Okay. Second part to that question, Thorny, is what do you think Tucker Rovig needs to do in order to win this game? I mean, this is kind of, this is kind of the same thing that I think he's done. They would need, we've needed him to do all year, just complete a few passes and even just have the threat to keep the defense completely from selling out on the run. So he's going to have to complete some passes. This is going to be much harder than Southern Utah or Northern Colorado. So he's going to have to make some throws. But I just think what I want to see out of him is just maintain his confidence level all game. He'll be fine. He's just got to just maintain his confidence level and just get out there and come back after something goes wrong. Yeah, it's Tucker Rovig seems to be a guy that and plays with confidence when he has it, when he lacks confidence is that's when we see him having those troubles. One thing I want to give Tucker props on is, man, he seems like a tough kid. Like he takes some shots and he always comes back. Doesn't seem like he hangs his head. I'm just always been impressed with when uh, he's been taking the shots and, you know, standing in the pocket tall and delivering the ball down the field. Um, What I'm looking forward for Tucker this coming week is, hit some throws that move the chains and I want to see a couple deep balls completed by a couple, maybe just even two, uh, one that maybe could go for a touchdown. And I think that that will like keep the, the defense at least thinking about the pass. That's one thing that Tucker's really done well for us is 
he's really alleviated that stack box for us. You know, they have to watch the middle. They have to watch the deep ball. I think Tucker's been doing a good job for us lately. I mean, that's just the thing is even his presence and his abilities to throw the ball downfield take pressure off the defense. If he doesn't complete him, just taking those shots is something that, because, you know, the coaches' opponents will see that and they'll realize, you know, he can complete those passes. So you can't just leave guys on an island the entire time because he will, he will be able to complete those passes. So I think that's a big part of it. And I think part of his uh, ability to keep him confident is his offensive line need to continue to block well. They did a, they've done a lot better job of that the last two weeks. The North Dakota game, they just they just got after him and got after him hard, but they've done a much better job in pass protection, and that only allows him to scan the field because he can make he can progress through some reads when he has the time to do it. So I think that's a big part of it too, is just keeping him off his back. He seems to be taking some strides when we need him. I mean, we have the playoffs in front of us. We just need one right now. If we win at UC Davis this week, we're in the playoffs. If we win against the Grizz and UC Davis, well, we're going to be seeded. And how far can Tucker Rovig take us in the playoffs? That's a good question. Another question that kind of builds off of that, a golden koozie question from BP Cats 20. Do you think Matt Miller can keep up the creative offensive play calling to score enough and keep up to beat UC Davis? I think we need to keep it diversified. And we've been showing a lot of different wrinkles. We don't need necessarily just need to show new wrinkles. We just need to keep the same ones we've been showing and just, you know, implement them. And so, like, when we think back to uh, North Dakota, I, I honestly feel like that was our worst game of the season where we just were so tight and so predictable and it just nothing was going our way. We can't be predictable. We can't be t- tight. We have to play to win and we have to take chances. We have to trust our players to go make plays when plays matter. That's absolutely right. I mean, it's, that time of year, big man month, man. You gotta, you gotta play to win, and I think Choate really was able to see that and address it in a big way. I I think that things were just kind of shrinking for us, and as we got more and more nervous that we'd screw up, we call more and safer, safer plays. We'd make safer and safer reads. We'd do just safe things all over the field that end up costing us a game. So we need to just get out there and play football, and we've been doing that so far. And I look forward to that continuing. And I do believe that Matt Miller could be a big part of that. And I think he can be creative enough to keep the offensive play calling. As BP Cat says, to keep up with Davis, I don't think Davis is going to score a ton of points against our defense. So I don't think we necessarily need to like get into a shootout. I think probably if we score in the 20s in this game, we have a good chance of winning. Maybe 28, like a high 20s, I think should win us this football game. I like the formula of having a more diversified offense early on in the game. And then once we have the game in hand, just taking their soul with our running game. Yeah, that's that's a great plan. And that, that's a good point. Like they get out there and you can be more creative. And if it starts working, he starts scoring points. Then you can hunker down into that soul sucking run the ball all over the field. And what are you going to do about it? That's that is a good point. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, we can't go into this game and try to just establish the pass through the run because we're a running team and, and that's the defense against us. So we need to be able to pass the ball around the field to soften the run and use um, diversified run games. Like, like we did in UNC with the edges fly sweeps on the boundary. So we can soften up the middle. I think that's a big key to this game. The cats can be so diverse running the football. Cause 
especially if Travis, Travis Johnson's back, we have the ability to run a couple big guys up the middle. Johnson's not small, and he got Troy back there, and even Logan Jones is good between the tackles. Then we have the ability to do some fly sweeps or some the little flip pass thing, get to the edges. We have speed where we need it, especially with Willie Patterson back and the emergence of Tyrone Marshall. It's only going to add in our speed element to our edge game. And if we're actually starting to have some of our quarterbacks pitch the ball, namely Troy Anderson, our Wildcat quarterbacks actually give the ball up, we can attack you so many different ways that it's just so hard to figure out how the Bobcats are going to run at you and where they're going to run the ball at. Do you think we're going to see Travis Johnson this weekend? I would have to imagine, man. This is a, I kind of see this as a first round playoff game, kind of a play in game. Like we win this, we're in the playoffs. If we lose this, we're not out, but makes it that much harder. So I'd imagine if Travis Johnson is anywhere near healthy, he's going to at least give it a go. Travis Johnson is like her closer. And what I mean by that is (laughs) when he comes in in the second half and then just has ball control and then a la Northern Arizona just runs it down your throat or Cal Poly, he's her closer. But we, we can't start off with a heavy dose of Travis Johnson. We need to, we need, uh, we need to spread it out a little bit more. This is a good time to ask our third golden koozie question. Thanks for all the golden koozie questions this time. You guys uh, asked us a lot of good questions. All cat wants to know why doesn't Travis Johnson ever throw the ball, and do you think he will before the year is over? Well, it's been documented that he's not a prolific thrower. He's just a really good athlete. I don't think he's going to. I, I think he. I think there are some plays that he looks to. I just think Travis Johnson just wants to not give up the ball. <laughs> Honestly, he's kind of like Troy Anderson in in that matter. So no, I don't think he's going to throw the ball. That's a good mentality to have. Like ballers want the ball when it matters, you know, like they don't want to give it up. And that's just a detriment throughout the course of the game. But when the game's on the line, like the winners want the ball and that's Troy Anderson, Travis Johnson. They just want to make the play themselves and they have the ability to do that. But to answer the question, I think we have a better chance to see in Kevin Cass's throw another pass before we see Travis Johnson actually throw the ball downfield, not excluding the little flip pass that might be a three-inch <laughs> pass that turns into like a 50-yard gain. I don't think he's going to throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Man, we are lucky to have guys like Travis Johnson. And what a cool story. A guy that comes just from so many recruiting stories and he just comes to the Montana State doesn't have a positive start, but just really buys in, sticks it out, and just becomes this key contributor, team leader. I just really have a lot of respect for that guy. Me too. He's he's turned one of my favorite Bobcat players in the last five, ten years. He just he's just fun to watch. He's his attitude is infectious. You can just tell he's having fun out there. And he's just it just seems like he's grateful to be playing football again. Like he just didn't have a chance for a long time. He kept getting passed up and finally Got a chance with the Bobcats, maybe not quarterback that he wanted, but he stuck it out. And now he's a key contributor and hopefully what is a playoff caliber football team in his senior year. Absolutely. I just hope his foot just keeps getting better. Well, he's got to stop kicking so much butt and maybe his foot will heal. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) All right, Thorny. Hey, man, is there any other thoughts on going into this game? This is going to be one of the toughest tests we have I think defensively controlling the run because their passing game is so prolific that 
it opens up the running game for Lonzo Gilliam, who is one of the best running backs in the Big Sky Conference. He hasn't had the year maybe he hoped he would, but that kind of goes back to the whole team struggles. But he's a very capable running back, and I think he's coming off like a 250-yard rushing game last week against uh, Portland State. He's recently found some success. UC Davis may have gotten kind of their offensive groove back here, so it's going to be a huge test defending Gilliam. Yeah, I saw that when I was looking up some of their players, and it was just like, whoa, he's just coming off his best game. You know, it's just, it's him, it's Jake Meyer, another senior quarterback that the Bobcats are facing. We face them all. (laughs) I mean, and and then the next week we'll have Dalton Sneed, you know. It's just, uh, you know, we're getting everybody's best players, and you know what, it's good. It's going to be a good test for the Bobcats. I'm really looking forward to this game. It's really going to show me who the cats are, I think. And it's just weird to say that because it's like, what, 10 games, 11 games into the season, and it, it takes this long. It feels like we had like the first half, right, where we were we were doing pretty good. I mean, we had SEMO win. We had the Northern Arizona win, and it just felt good. And then we hit Sac State, homecoming, and it just went from this lull. October just felt horrible for the Bond Tennessee Bobcats. And then we played two... Uh, dominating games in the month of November or late October to, as well, uh, albeit against some weaker competition. And now we're playing a team that was previously highly ranked, maybe even to pick to win the conference. And you know what? It's uh, it's going to be a good test. It's going to see where the Bobcats really are. I think we are going to show up. I think our offense is going to find its groove. I think the defense is going to continue to play well. I think this is going to be a test for the coaches. You know, Choate always says this is a player's game. Well, you know what? I don't really feel like Choate really follows his own advice a lot of the time, but I think he's learning to. So we'll see what happens. So what would you say that you're, in quick summation, what are your kind of your keys to victory for this game? We have to play to win. We can't be tight. We, we just got to go out there and trust what we have. And, and I think if the guys can do that, if the coaches will allow for that to happen, it's going to happen. It seems to me every time we lose this year, it just feels like it's more of a coaching thing than it is a player thing. So I just want them to go out and play to win the game. I mean, that's really all I have. I like that. That's a very, just such an all-encompassing thing that if that goes the way that you want it to, then the, kind of the rest all falls in line. I'll get a little more granular than that. I will, I will say that turnover battle, I think it's going to be huge for the Bobcats. I think UC Davis is like dead even on the year, but the Bobcats are plus eight, which is good for like fifth best in the country. We, I don't know, sorry. We've only turned the ball over eight times this year, which is fifth best in the country. We haven't even turned the ball over 10 times, which is amazing. It's just, it's an amazing stat. I think that's another, another crucial thing. And I think limiting big plays, whether that be running the ball, Gilliam or throwing the ball with Mayer, we really just have to limit the big plays, keep things in front of us, which has kind of been our MOL year, but we just can't give up on that now. we got to continue to be aggressive on defense while kind of keeping things in front of us at the same time, keep getting after the quarterback. So those are just my two kind of my keys right there. I think it's really going to go a long ways to help the Bobcats come out with this, the victory, and secure a playoff berth. That will feel good. That would be like going into the Cat Grizz, knowing regardless we're into the playoffs is always a great feeling. No, it's much better to go in there playing for like a potential seed or maybe sharing the Big Sky Conference Championship with the playoff berth already secured than it is going there fighting for your playoff lies, as we found out, basically because the Grizz have had an outsider chance the last three years when they've 
and then we've ended it every single year. So you know that they're going to be out for revenge on that front. So it'd be nice to secure that and kind of take that extra layer of pressure off the game. Oh, absolutely. All right, Thorny, I'm ready to move on to our closing segments. How about you? I am ready. I guess the one question before we get there, we have one last golden koozie question that kind of just sums up what we've been talking about from the one and only Shane Driscoll. The Bobcats have been outscoring the opponents 87 to 21. Are we hashtag winning big? What do you think? <laughs> well, of course we are. I mean, yeah, of course. The Statistically, those are big numbers that we're winning big. And I, I had talked about uh, on our woe and dread episode that, hey, man, their season's not over. We're being all doom and gloom here, but there's still a chance for us to come out and win big the rest of the year. And that's exactly what we've been doing. So we're we're still on track for the win big thing. I know it was kind of an easy thing to poke fun of after we lost a couple of games, but there's absolutely still time for the whole season to be a win big season and still secure a seat. So I say, yeah, hashtag win big. It's kind of funny to think about how far mentally we've come from that, from that time. <laughs> it felt so dire. Those after, were some dark times. After UND. And now we're writing a two game. Um, it feels kind of like we've flipped the momentum, flipped the script, turned the boat around. Uh, and now we got a big test. And so I'm really looking forward to this game. This is really going to, the culmination of, what we've been doing and seeing if we're really where we think we are after the last two games. Jeff Chote always says we played our best ball in November. He said we were going to play our best ball in November. He was guaranteed it. So far we have. So, so far, so good. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing I really have always appreciated about Jeff Chote's team. We've always ended well. Well, speaking of ending, let's move on to our next segment. All right. Thorning, let's recap our bold predictions. Ryan, you said we were going to have five sacks last week. We only ended up with two, uh, one for Sterk and one for the boy, the centaur, Troy Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have thought a little bit harder about that one, knowing that Jacob Nip is more like Kevin Thompson and how fast he gets rid of the ball. But, you know, so it's a wide prediction. It was good to see Sterk get one again. He hadn't had one a couple of games in. Um, I was I was happy for him. Yeah, Jake and Jacob Nip, man, finished with 220 yards, six years senior. Man, I mean, just some we've just been the gauntlet of these like prolific quarterbacks this year. I just feel like the just in general, the big sky has like six to seven senior quarterbacks that have just been around forever, and they're all really good. And it seems like the cats play them all. <laughs> one one real quick thing here about Nip. Uh we definitely hit him and kept him backpedaling he made some pretty some throws where he was anticipating getting hit so that was good to see we, we only ended up with two sacks but we were definitely getting after him and it affected his his play for sure yeah my bold prediction was rovic was going to pass for a greater than 200 yards uh and that was a really bad bold prediction given the fact that i hadn't really thought through that we really don't need him to pass for over <laughs> 200 yards he only had 15 attempts of passing he was 10 out of 15 and we for 77 yards, I couldn't have been more wrong. We just dominated the ground game. We didn't need to him for him to pass more than 20 some, you know, passes. It's just it's just a bad bull prediction on my part. At some point, you, me, Bobcat fans, just have to take the shackles off our mind and realize quarterbacks don't need to throw for 150, 200 yards every game. It's just it's what you think you need. 
But when you rush for 400 yards, it does not matter. It just straight doesn't matter. Because it, it's always like uh, the, the the opposite, right? You see Davis, the sixth best passing team in the nation, like the 90th best rushing team. Like you, you just can't expect to run for 300 and pass for 300. That's ridiculous. No, I mean, Grizzlies are the same thing. You know, you Sneed will pass for 400 and, you know, they're, they're Marcus Knight will get like maybe close to a hundred or so, but it's, it's never a balance. I think the Grizz only had about a hundred yards against Idaho, but they threw the ball over the place. So yeah, it's one or the other. And we, we would just like to see a better balance, but hey, we're, we win games with, without throwing for hundred yards. It's crazy. Thorny, do you have a new bold prediction? You go first. <laughs> All right. I always say this one. I, I can't say I always say it because that's just a lie, but I've said it before. I feel like we need a pick six or a defensive touchdown. And that's going to be my bold prediction. We get a defensive touchdown. That is bold. Like a scoop and score or a pick six, a block punt that we take in something. It does seem that the Bobcats defense have been more swarming to the ball lately. And that's the kind of defense that does generate those kinds of points. So maybe, maybe we'll see it. All right, my bold prediction, we hold Alonzo Gilliam to under 80 yards. Why 80? I don't know, because 75 seemed too easy to choose that number. Okay. Because I think he'll end up with 77 yards. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Don't question my bold prediction. (laughs) Don't question my weirdly specific bold prediction. (laughs) Okay. It'll be held under 82 yards exactly on 17 carries. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I feel sticking like with it. Uh, Troy Anderson is going to be a spy on that guy probably as well as Jake Meyer. I really like Troy Anderson on defense. I was just thinking about that today. I just love him so much more better on defense than I do offense. And I know maybe that's not a, a popular statement, but uh, they, like you said early on in the podcast, he's just turning it on. It's just really been fun to watch. I mean, he's part of the reason I think our defense has been clamping down. Not not so much that he's making just like these stellar, stellar plays, which he's doing more and more of. Just it seems to be the whole team just plays better when he's on the field. I mean, that's exactly how it is on the offensive side of the ball. He's just such a, a leader that everyone just plays better when he's out there. You know what's uh, just a quick comment on the flip side of the ball? Offense doesn't have a player like that. We don't have that clear leader right now. The guy that just, you know, oozes confidence. So no, the closest guy would be Travis Johnson and he hasn't been in for a few games. Yeah. Okay. Thorny, you ready for some buy or sell? Let's do it. Okay. Thorny, buy or sell. MSU's offense is gimmicky. So I wouldn't say we're gimmicky. I'm saying we're trying a lot of different ways to move the ball, but we don't run like a whole lot of like gadget weird trick plays. So I'm selling it. Okay. Sell number two, Thorny MSU's offense will hold steady at Davis. If by hold steady, you mean we're going to score 40 some points. I will sell. Have I we, still think we'll hit about our season average right around 30, maybe 35. So I would, yeah, I would say we'll keep pace. So I guess I'll buy it. <laughs> okay. That's well, a weird question. That's a very vague non-quantitative question. <laughs> okay, so maybe I could have written that question a little bit better. What I really meant was we won't just fall off drastically. We'll just, you know, continue on the path that we've seen the last two games. Uh, yes, yeah, so I would buy that we will continue to be successful on offense. Okay. All right. Number three, Thorny. 
buy or sell, I take a for sure playoff berth rather than a 50-50 shot at the Cat Grizz victory. Well, that's an easy one. That's a buy. I will buy a playoff berth over a coin flip game against the Grizz. All right, man. And number four, my wife is tired of the R&R Cat Cast. Buying it. Uh, yeah, she's like, are you podcasting again tonight? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, buying it. Okay. And the fifth question for buy or sell. I own more than two pairs of jeans. Currently, I will sell it. I own one pair of jeans. <laughs> All right. I own a couple other pairs of pants, but I, I own, no, I take, I mean, I own multiple pairs of jeans. I only wear one pair of that. I have one pair, good pair. <laughs> So I guess I'll sell. I do own several pairs of jeans. So you're going to sell, you own more than two pair of jeans? Or are I'm you going to buy that? I, I own more than two pairs of jeans. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thorny. Uh, you're off the hot seat, buddy. Okay. All right, fully. Buy or sell. MSU offense is gimmicky. I'm going to sell that. I think we're trying some new stuff. Yeah, we're putting in some new wrinkles. I don't think we're gimmicky. Uh, we're just not the same offense we were even four weeks ago. So there it is. Number two, uh, buy or sell MSU's offense will hold steady at Davis. Thought a lot about this today, Thorny. I'm going to give it a optimistic buy. I, I feel like if we start feeling some, here, I'll preface this with this. If we start feeling a little bit of pressure at UC Davis, my fear is that we will try to go back to what we were doing prior U- uh, Southern Utah. Get back into a box. Yeah, exactly. Kind of tighten the reins. I feel Jeff, I'm really concerned. That's like a big fear of mine uh, these days is Jeff Choate overtaking games with his conservative play calling when he's not trusting his players. And that's kind of like why I said, you know, the juxtaposition of him saying it's a, it's a football is a player's game. Yet I feel like he clutches things a little too tight. I feel, you know, him hindering Matt Miller early on in the season. That's just my opinion. It might have been just Matt Miller's calls all along. But I feel like Jeff Choate's hand in the offense through his tenure in the four years has been largely negative. So, yeah, um, are they going to hold steady? Well, if it's going well, I think they do. If it gets tight. Honestly, my gut tells me that we're going to, you know, we'll go back to that quote unquote in the box offense. So until it, until I'm proven wrong, I just don't feel like it's uh, it's going to get a lot better. Or maybe I'm just being pessimistic. I probably am. Um, number three, uh, by yourself, I take a for sure playoff berth rather than a 50-50 shot at the Cat Grizz victory. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, if you ask me which game I'd rather win, Right now, UC Davis or Cat Grizz? Well, I'd probably pick Cat Grizz because no matter what, we would go to the playoffs. But right now, I just want to get into the playoffs. So I'm leaning towards UC Davis. Uh, number four, buy or sell. My wife is tired of the r and I don't think she is. I'm going to sell that. Uh, my wife thinks it's pretty cool, which I really like. And uh, she listens. She's a subscriber. And the last one, uh, is the one I was thinking about today <laughs> is buy or sell. I own more than two pairs of jeans. I'm going to sell that. I owe, I own exactly two pairs of jeans, uh, just straight up Levi's. I think they're like the 501s. I don't know. Just the most basic Levi's you can buy. 
Like Thorny, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think is an acceptable amount of jeans a guy should own? I think you need at least three. Really? Yeah. Now think about that. Think about that real quick. Like, are you really rotating three pairs of jeans? Well, you need a work pair and you need two different colors to wear different outfits, man. Well, I didn't even two think like about it. good pairs of jeans and then yeah, a pair to like work, do your dirty work in. So I have a pair. So, okay. So I have a pair of Carhartts. I have a couple of pair of Carhartts, but like if I'm doing work like outside or just like in the garage or whatnot, I'm wearing my Carhartts, my double fronts. But as far as jeans goes, I'm able to wear jeans on Fridays at my school and Thursdays. I probably, I could probably wear jeans any days, but I don't, I wear like pants, but you know, I don't know. It just feels like three pairs of jeans is too much for a guy to rotate. Now, if you didn't have a professional job, Maybe having three pairs of jeans or four pairs of jeans would make more sense. But for most of us who have jobs, we're probably most of us are wearing some sort of khakis or pleated pants. I don't know what people wear or dockers or whatever, but <laughs> I don't know much about fashion. But I'm pretty sure pleated pants are going the way the dinosaur there, buddy. <laughs> what am I the only one who wears pleated pleats anywhere? Come on now. <laughs> I don't know. Look around next time you wear them. <laughs> I joke it. I don't wear pleated pants, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's my knowledge on the whole subject, but I think two pairs of jeans is about right. This may be the hottest take the Arnor cat cast has had yet. Chime in fellas and ladies. <laughs> How many pairs of jeans is it acceptable as an adult? <laughs> Hit us up. We inquiring minds need to know. Thorny, we, uh, we had read a couple golden koozie questions. Which one are we going to choose? I like the one from Cowgirl Cat. Do you agree? I will. Woo! Cowgirl Cat, get at me. Get at Thorny. Send me your contact information, and I will send you that golden koozie. Congratulations. You can hit us up on the board or email rrcatcast at gmail.com, and we'll get that out to you. Good job. Well done. Let's wrap this up. We are... Just about an hour. We hit this pretty well. We tried to keep it under an hour of this episode. We might have actually finally succeeded for once. Hit us up on Twitter, RRCatCast, where we do kind of hard-hitting questions, such as how many jeans should a grown man have in his wardrobe? <laughs> Follow us on the Bobcat Recurring Threads, <laughs> Bobcat Nation Recurring Thread. You can email us at RRCatCast at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments that you don't want on Twitter or the board. If you listen to us on any podcast platform, please rate us, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, and tell your friends. We appreciate you guys listening to us. As always, go Cats. Go Cats.